Gentlemen, sorry in advance, because this episode is basically just a chronology of people's dicks getting cut off. Whether surgical, chemical, vagina dentata, self-inflicted, or just plain old circumcision, this episode spares no penis. Just remember, if it all becomes too much, just keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Take as much as you can. But if you're brave, buckle up and get ready for a swinging detached dick chopping as I present Castration. And the next time, she's gonna put it through the meat grinder. Cause you know she's kicking herself ever since the last time when she forgot to do that. Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from evil dolls, to murderous twins, to aborted baby toxic waste monsters. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Good. I'm not going to no, pay attention this is gonna to this be, episode. This is going to be terrible. I'm walking like, out of this. this. Is, even I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Ow. So we were having dinner with a couple of mutual friends, mm-hmm. and we started, they're listeners of the podcast, and we were kind of telling stories about our mutual love of movies and a couple movies that maybe we might have worked on yeah, together. True. And so we thought we'd go ahead and share them with our listening audience. The first one that I want to talk about is the movie that you were in that I wasn't in called Goatman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fuck. All right. So this movie, it's been like 10 years now. I feel like the story should be older than that. Mm-hmm. So I should know better, but I didn't know better. This is 10 years ago. I was married at the time and people were having a casting call for this like independent short film mm-hmm. and they needed people to help work on it. And there are these Maryland filmmakers. They were just kids. But she's like, you should check this out. And I'm like, well, I don't want to make sure I'm not in some fucking snuff film or something. But mm-hmm. sure. All right, whatever. So I went to Baltimore, checked it out. And they were filming this movie called Goatman. It was this short film. They didn't have any money. They had this it's like little an urban legend type of movie. Yeah, Goatman's a thing up there. It's, yeah, an urban legend something. And they're making their own little movie about it. And so I was just going to work on it with them, do cameras, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The One of the main actors dropped out. And they're like, hey, why don't you just be one of the actors in it? And I was like, Sure. You know, so we went out to film. It was in March. It was cold as fuck. We went out Western Maryland in the woods somewhere, and we filmed for the weekend and made this movie called Goatman. And it's bad. I've seen it. And it's you have a copy of it. I own it. And I have a copy of it. And it's fucking terrible. And it's online somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, this is terrible. Slate laughed at it. I laughed at it. It's gone. It'll be I gone. enjoyed it. I mean, it's fun yeah. but and terrible. But I thought it'd be gone forever. Flash forward to but a couple of months ago where somebody at work found out about Goatman, which meant everybody at work found, found out, out about, about Goatman, Goatman, including like my director and my boss. Like everybody in my whole chain of command found about fucking Goatman. And they're all like, hey, I saw Goatman. <laughs> Which they didn't, but... Almost all of them saw it. They saw it? Yeah. Who's got a copy of Goatman it's besides on, it's you and me? It's on the interwebs. Oh, no. Now all the listeners can see it, too. I'm not going to help you guys find it, but you can find it. Oh, but I will. I'll, <laughs> find, it and, I'll find it and put look, it up look, on the website. I'm, the thing is, I don't feel bad about it, because Goatman is a terrible movie. I am not great in it, yet I'm the best thing about that this That is movie. true. <laughs> the best part of Goatman is your performance. And I'll I'm, put it that way. That's not ego or hyperbole. No, that's, that's a, a fact. That's a very, very low bar. Also, that story is going to be the best part of this episode, too. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the only redeeming thing about this episode is going to be your performance in Goatman. Well, there was also one other movie that we were talking about, which I was loudly talking about at dinner when I had had about 15 <laughs> glasses of wine, which Tom and I actually, we didn't meet on the set of a movie, but we both worked as PAs on a movie when I was in high school school and you were a little older than high school Slightly, but yeah. and we were PAs on 
on this movie that was going to be the coolest fucking shit movie that had ever happened in the world. It's called Spirit Lost Mm -hmm. in the early 90s. It had some really big actors in it. It had Leon, who all I know that he was in, was he he in Cool Runnings, wasn't he? He was in Cool Runnings, Five Heartbeats, and Cliffhanger, the the Stallone movie. movie. Also, he was the black Jesus that kissed Madonna in like a prayer video. So that was why I was really excited. That's how you initially knew him. That's how I knew, yeah. Yeah. It had Uncle Phil in it. Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was only in one scene and mm-hmm. I actually I was working at a restaurant at the time and he came in for dinner and I bust his table I wasn't oh, nice. old enough to be a waiter and then it also had Rud- some somebody from Touched by an Angel I just always thought that was a funny show name it's it like is. an angel came and it touched me and then it just disappeared it molested like, by an thanks. angel yeah. yeah somebody Regina somebody from Touched by an Angel anyway. uh, it doesn't matter but we all thought that this movie was going to be like so amazing it was going to be so good it was filmed in our little hometown in Virginia and yeah. and then the movie came out and it was Garbage. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was the worst made-for-TV looking garbage I've ever shit. seen. It was terrible. It's dreadful. And what we didn't know at the time, which I guess nobody knew, was that it was a sexploitation movie, yeah. a black sexploitation movie mm-hmm. about a man who has sex with a ghost. Fucks the ghost. I think the ghost went down on him at some point, which I yelled out in the middle of dinner, mm-hmm. and everyone turned around and looked at me. The ghost went down on him too. Now let me uh, let me. I'm add sure to that's that. not true, but because Slate did this at dinner that was probably the nicest dinner I, I have ever will go ever to will. or have <laughs> yeah, gone to. Good. I'm glad you mentioned. This was not a cheap dinner this or even a, a, this wasn't even a high class dinner. This was an amazingly pricey. This is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars yeah. a person a dinner. And we're dressed nicely mm-hmm. and we're behaving ourselves acting like full grown adults and, and Slate's like this ghost was sucking him off and then the waitress comes up and it, that's a pure Slate moment. Yeah. You know, it's drunk that's Slate moment. very normal for me to be talking <laughs> about something very disgusting while the waitress comes up and then yeah. everybody in the the record skips and then everybody you know turns and looks at for the it. record that dinner was fucking amazing it was amazing dinner all right are you ready to talk about castration so no but mm-hmm. let's do it anyway we're gonna so okay this was a really hard episode to write. <laughs> I see because, what you did there. Uh-huh, there are so many puns in this. Mm-hmm. I just apologies in advance. Just turn this fucking episode <laughs> off if you're listening. Every time I started thinking about castration, I could only get through like 15 minutes of research. And then I would start to feel nauseous because, of course, you have to watch all the scenes. Yeah. And I'm not very good at that because I don't really like to watch the gore scenes. I love gore movies. I like being scared. But I always cover my eyes when the really gross thing happens. Right. And all I did was just watch scenes of people's dicks getting cut off. Now, luckily, I got kind of immune to it after a while. And mm. so I would just watch that one and be like, that one wasn't that bad, where the <laughs> blood squirted out and there was pus, you know, and I'd be yeah. like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Mm. So it became easier as I, you know, as I got through it. I'm glad to hear it. So actually, I had been wanting to do this episode for a while. We talked about it in our intro in season one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I kind of just thought that there just wasn't enough material to really do a full episode on it. And of course, right. until season six, where we, you know, call this the jump the shark season <laughs> um, where I'm like anything can be a anything Fuck. can be an episode yeah yeah because I have decided that my next episode will be period piece that was a listener suggested topic from Cheyenne oh yeah and I thought well this will be perfect because then we can talk about bloody vaginas then <laughs> we can talk about bloody penises this time and then it will be kind of like a two-parter yeah it ties in together yeah for the record period piece is probably one of the things that got the ball ro- see ties yeah, in again ball rolling for this season because we were going to end season five everybody knows that but we were barely hinting at it but we didn't really have a, a gateway into it but then period piece came up and that of course I got Slate's excited. eyes lit up for I, that. yeah I just kept telling Tom I was like I don't have any more topics there are no more topics to have I don't have any more and then we started talking about period piece and I was like well I got one <laughs> well that one's pretty good that one needs to get done and then I was like all right fine we'll do season right six, so, so thanks Cheyenne because yep, Cheyenne you, it's all because of you yep also I felt like my gender bender episode was a little highbrow so i thought that maybe i would kind of gore up the season a little bit with a you know bloody junk you know pubic (laughs) mess bloody junk episode pubic (laughs) mess i will say though i kind of went through this i just made a list of all the movies that i found that had castration scenes i don't talk about every movie that has a castration scene because honestly that would be a little bit repetitive so i kind of talk about movies of where it's done a little bit differently different types of castration so i'm probably going to miss a couple things so anybody if you if you feel like i missed anything that was really great then please let me know all right so let's begin with a brief history of castration since it will come in handy once we start
start talking about film in a minute. All right. The definition of castration is technically the removing of the testicles from a male, whether surgical or chemical. Mm-hmm. But at some point, people started using it to talk about removing the testes and the penis. So that can be a little confusing sometimes. Sure. You already made a face. You're not going to make it through this. <laughs> I might not. I'm drinking already because I, I need to... I have scenes to show you. I know. I'm not looking forward to it. Let's, just, let's keep going. Okay. So now we tend to say that animals are neutered, not castrated, and men have a testy or testicles removed for medical reasons, and that castration is basically a violent act where everything is removed. Although I did find out that removal of the penis is actually called a penectomy. So you're welcome for that. We'll talk about all of this today, including a little bit of female castration as well. Equal opportunity. Yeah. It's fair. The act of castration is as old as human writing, probably older from what I can gather. The earliest writings about castration were usually in religious context, where men cut the balls off of their captives in war situations to strip them of their power. Sometimes they would cut the penis off with the balls, but this caused infections and often killed the men, and that kind of defeated the whole purpose. Hmm. Since the men who had their balls cut off usually lived, this created a small subculture of men called eunuchs from around 98 to 1590 BC in Rome and 1700 to 1050 BCE in China. Castration was also big in Vietnam, Korea, and Africa as a way of basically creating a sex slave culture of eunuch boys. Apparently, the belief was that by castrating them, it, they lost their ability to rise up in a manly way and you know regain their freedom. You said rise up in a manly rise way. Rise up. I know. Sorry, and I'm like, oh, sex slaves. It's terrible. Sorry, it's horrible. That was, that was a euphemism. This is horrible. Anyway. Some men were castrated because they were gay and this was their punishment, and some sex offenders opted to be castrated over prison sentence or death. And in Italy, some poor parents would choose to castrate their young sons so they could sing opera. So there are a lot of reasons why castration exists throughout history and, of course, in the movies. Mm. Oddly enough, the first movie I could find to deal with the topic of castration was Freaks from 1932, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, We talked about Freaks in my Freak Show episode, but I want to talk only about the presumably lost forever castration scene that has been a part of film legend since its unlikely revival beginning in the 60s. Of course, Freaks was talking Browning's opus to circus freaks in the early 30s and even though it was a horror movie it was meant to show them as kind and loving people while the normal shaped humans were the monsters right in this case venus the trapeze artist attempts to seduce a little person in order to steal his inheritance and in the meantime is horrible to all of the circus sideshow freaks Finally, the freaks turn on her and her boyfriend, Hercules. And if you're watching the film today, you see the freaks gaining on the couple separately Mm -hmm. and then fade to black. A few years later, we see the woman and she's been turned into a duck lady, which is still kind of upsetting. Yeah. We never know what happened to Hercules. How she got that way will never be known. Some say a jealous lover. Others, that it was the code of the freaks. Others, the storm. Believe it or not, there she is. When Freaks was released to test audiences in 1932, they fucking hated it. (laughs) They were traumatized. One woman claimed she was going to sue the studio because the movie gave her a miscarriage. They were scared of the freaks. They thought the normal people were even worse, and they hated the end. Hmm. The studio cut 30 minutes out of it, so now the remaining film is only about an hour. They cut a lot of subplots, but the main thing that they cut, no pun intended, was what happened to Hercules. After the freaks descended on Venus and Hercules, it's not only Venus that it's been turned into a duck lady freak. Hercules now sings soprano in his own sideshow act. So, you know, when they say somebody's singing soprano, you know, I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to do an Italian mobster voice, but you're like, not, they're you're singing failing. soprano, you know, that yeah. means they've been castrated. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we never saw him, but only heard him from off screen. Luckily, the original script still exists, but the footage is likely lost forever and is still one of Hollywood's best lost footage rumors of all time. Hmm. A little unclear if there was anything else alluding to the castration or if the audience was meant to, you know, draw that conclusion. 
decision on their own. Right. Of course, the production code would be enforced just a few years later, and so we jump way ahead to the early 70s. I was surprised it took that long, so if any audience members have a 1960s castration scene or reference, please let me know as the new expert on castration. So there are really two famous, famous, famous castration scenes in the movies, and this is, from what I can find, the first time it was ever done explicitly on film. And that movie is The Last House on the Left from 1972. Okay. We talk about this movie a lot because it broke so much ground in terms of horror film, rape revenge, censorship, and, you know, human decency. Mm -hmm. The plot of The Last House on the left is two teenagers go to a concert and get abducted by prison escapees after trying to buy weed. They're raped and tortured and finally killed and the murderers escape, but to the house of one of the girl's parents. Right. When the parents find out the exact revenge, including a scene where the mother gives one of them a blowjob and right when he's about to come, she bites his dick off. Oh, damn. I forgot about that. Yeah. Similar to Freaks, we don't see this. It's merely suggested, probably because not enough money for a prosthetic. It was a low-budget movie. Mm -hmm. In fact, Last House on the Left isn't particularly gory other than a few quick scenes. It's more upsetting and kind of snuff-filmy than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the movie was heavily censored in various versions that toured the drive-ins and grindhouses across the country. It's one of those movies where no one really knows what the original version was because people saw a lot of different versions due to local censorship laws that cut scenes out of the reels. Right. Oddly enough, The Last House on the Left got kind of decent reviews and people cheered when the mom bit that guy's dick off. (laughs) As I mentioned, a lot of sexual offenders in history were castrated for similar things that happened in Last House on the Left and audiences, you know, when they saw they thought that he got what he deserved. Yeah. Around the same time, John Waters was making Pink Flamingos and had a much different type of castration scene. In the movie, Divine and her son Crackers go to Connie and Raven Marble's house to seek revenge for the turd they sent in the mail and the call they made to the police who busted Divine's birthday party. Mm -hmm. Divine and Crackers find the basement where two women have been kept captive and forced to have babies that are in turn sold to lesbian couples. They free the girls, but before they leave, they find Channing, the Marble's transvestite butler, and castrate him in revenge for his forced insemination. This is done off screen, and we only see him once the marbles come home and he has blood between his legs. You know, he's kind of like lying there. He's tucked his penis behind his legs, and then there's just a bloody kind of mess, you mm-hmm. know, there. Mm-hmm. And Connie yells, he's been castrated. His penis is gone, <laughs> which is such a John Waters. It's like, we right. know what it means. Yeah, John, yeah. you don't, yeah, yeah. we get it. His penis is gone. Thanks yeah. for blurting that out. Right. John Waters actually followed this up with Desperate Living about five years later, where a lesbian, Mole McHenry, goes to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore and forces them to give her a female to male gender reassignment, which she does for her girlfriend, Muffy. When she gets home, Muffy is horrified to see the new dick, which is not a real dick. It's a very fake-looking kind of medical deformity type of thing. And so Mole cuts it off herself with a pair of scissors and tosses it out the window. And of course, a dog walks by and eats it. You do actually see the botched sex change dick get cut off in Desperate Living, but that wasn't the first film to actually show it. From what I can see, the first movie to show an actual, fake actual cock and balls get detached was the movie Rico from 1973. You're never going to believe me when I tell you this, but the movie is actually called Rico the Mean Machine. It's an Italian-Spanish mobster crime movie starring Robert Mitchum. Just kidding. It's starring (laughs) Christopher Mitchum, Robert Mitchum's horrible son, in a movie where mobsters throw people in vats of acid and then sell the congealed fat to soap companies. So you know who must have seen this movie? Chuck Palahniuk, which I did look up the pronunciation of his last name from Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, towards the end, there's a scene where the mobsters have a naked man from the steam room and they're holding him down. It's kind of like that scene in Eastern Promises. Mm -hmm. But once they pin him down, someone takes out a switchblade. And in one very quick scene, we see a hand holding cock and balls and the switchblade comes in and quickly cuts off all three in a bloody pubic mess. What's funny is I could only find this movie online on one site, which I think is a new site called Tubi, T-U-B-I. And the castration shot is missing. Not like Tubi cut it out, Sorry, cut it out. But it looks like when you see a movie and like the print actually has removed that scene, you know? So it's an old print, I guess, that got censored. But I luckily found a GIF someone made of it, and that's how I actually saw it. And Mm. luckily, I have it right here to show to you. Oh, Jesus. This is... Show it to me from there. I'm not going to just turn that shit around. I don't even need to get close to it. So what you're about to see is basically there's a man holding a woman back, and she kind of looks down, and then you see the dick get cut off. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah, just turn that terrible shit. Eh, That's not so bad. 
<laughs> See, you've become desensitized. Well, that that bit. looked pretty fake. It does look really fake, yeah. yeah. And from what I can gather, this is the first one that we ever actually saw it instead of it just happening off screen. Okay. Okay. Super low budget movie. I mean, I'm sure they paid a fortune for Christopher Mitchum, but <laughs> I'm going to cleanse the palate a little and tell you about an actual highbrow film for a second that I don't think we've ever talked about, but played a huge role in the midnight movie world for most of the 70s and early 80s. Okay. And that movie was Alejandro Jodorowsky's El Topo from 1970, oh, yeah. which he directed, produced, and starred in. Mm-hmm. El Topo was one of those weird LSD movies that kind of didn't really make any sense until a bunch of people, including John Lennon, saw it and started talking about it. Right. Like Pink Flamingos in the Rocky Horror picture show el topo became a midnight movie that people would take drugs and go see Mm -hmm. it was weird and trippy and symbolic and surreal and people couldn't get enough of it there's actually no castration scene in el topo but jodorowsky followed it up with a much higher budget film called the holy mountain which was actually funded by george harrison and john lennon and while much less successful was a much more bonkers town film filled with violent sex religious iconography psychedelics but most notably the coolest cinematography ever seen at that point mm-hmm. and that's my opinion nothing in your education or experience can have prepared you for this film Alejandro Jodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. The Holy Mountain is a film completely outside the entire tradition of motion picture art. It is outside the tradition of modern theater. The Holy Mountain is a film outside the tradition of criticism and review. You can go down a hole in the internet looking up things that were inspired by The Holy Mountain, but the videos of Marilyn Manson, Kanye West's entire Yeezus tour, and the Beyonce video for Formation, just to name a few. Right. And of course, there's a castration scene where... I tried to describe this. Who the fuck knows? Because the movie doesn't, you know, it's a it's a surreal movie. So it doesn't right. really have a plot that makes a lot of sense. But there's a knight type person in S&M bondage gear. And there's another man strapped up while a bunch of people in formation chant. He takes a pair of scissors and puts the guy's balls between them. And then we cut, not actually, to the man screaming. So balls go in, scissors are open. And mm-hmm. then we see the man screaming different shot. Rumor has it that everyone in the movie was so high and on LSD that when Jodorowsky yelled cut, the bondage knight almost legit cut the guy's balls off. Uh, He thought Jodorowsky was saying cut. Anywho, right after that, the young man places the balls in a glass container amongst hundreds of other glasses filled with balls on the wall. You look sickly. (laughs) You look... This is fucking awful. You look like you're going to (laughs) faint. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. I'm either going to fall the fuck out or we're going to be all right. It'll be caught on tape. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll be caught live here. Jodorowsky followed The Holy Mountain with Sana Sangra from 1989, which is one of my favorite movies ever, yeah. and had a scene where the lead character's mother finds her circus worker father having an affair with the tattoo lady. She throws acid on his junk, that's the first mention of chemical castration, mm-hmm. for which he then cuts both of her arms off. Her son then becomes her arms, which I now realize is a very odd sentence. <laughs> Here's yes, something very weird. I bet you never knew. Okay. It's sometimes hard to find the first movie to ever, but according to Wiki, the first movie to ever get an X rating solely for violence was the Japanese Kung Fu movie, The Street Fighter from 1974. I didn't know that. And it was two scenes that got it the X rating, one where the lead punches a henchman's head, followed by a cut to an X-ray shot of the skull being completely shattered and blood gushing from the man's mouth. But the notorious scene is when the lead castrate a rapist with his bare hands it's actually kind of a cool scene and i happen to have it right here to show you show it let's do this also that whole thing cutting to an x-ray has been done since then like when somebody gets hit and then it shows the x-ray damage done to the skull Mm -hmm. as it's happening like it slows down the slow motion or something i don't know if it did it in that movie but that's what's been done that's what the description said i didn't watch that part because why watch an x-ray when you can watch a guy castrate somebody with his bare hands all right well let's uh let's do Do it you want to go full screen you know what yeah okay I don't know why I said that. Also, your search history, God knows oh, who's like so tracking bad. you. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, that's fine. That's, that's great. fine. That's, that's kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. Uh-huh. I was fine with that one. Yes. I actually enjoyed that. Yeah, that was good. I, don't, I didn't really enjoy it, but I'm okay with that one. I'm fine with that one. All yes. right. Speaking of Japanese movies, Realm of Senses from 1976 is considered one of the most controversial films ever made, and it's based around a real castration and the nutty woman who carried the dick around in her pocket for days after. 
This story is a little disturbing. Okay. Ready for this? um, This is a real story. This isn't just like a fake movie, right? Oh, this is a real story? This is a true story. All right. So there was this woman named Sada Abe. Abe. Sada Abe. I looked up the pronunciation, but now I forgot. Anyway, she was a prostitute in the early 30s. She eventually began working in a restaurant and started having an affair with the owner, whose name was Kizishu Ishada. Okay. Their sex became more and more dangerous, and they became like super obsessed with each other. Hmm. At some point, she took a knife to his dick and told them that if he ever slept with another woman, she'd cut it off, to which he laughed. They began auto-erotic asphyxiation stuff, and on one occasion, she almost killed him. And then one night, she woke up, took the sash off her kimono, and strangled him in his sleep. Damn. She laid with him for a few hours until she took the same knife, cut off his dick and balls, wrapped them in some magazine pages, and then left him there. She wandered around for days with the cock and balls in her pocket. She also did things with the dick until ultimately getting arrested and confessed everything. Her story became a nationwide phenomenon as it's very unusual for women to kill men, especially in Japan. But then there was the whole castration thing and also the fact that she didn't kill him out of jealousy. She killed him because she was so madly in love with him that she didn't want anyone else to have him. Damn. Or his dick. Because she kept it in a pocket. Uh-huh. So when it came time for someone to make the movie, director Nagisa Oshima obviously couldn't get away with filming a lot of the controversial scenes in Japan. Right. For example, Sada Abe puts an egg in her vagina and Ishida eats it. There's also a scene where she holds the knife up to his actual boner. So you do see a boner in this movie. So he filmed it in secret and then he shipped the film to France where it was developed and then edited. So he didn't even have it developed in Japan because he was like so scared. Right. It caused an uproar in Japan. It was heavily censored. It actually got shut down at the 1976 New York Film Festival, where you and I go every year. Yeah, yeah. And I found an article from 1976 that explained the situation. So apparently the film entered the U.S. by plane in Los Angeles and was then flown to New York City for the festival. It screened twice, but then the federal custom agents decided that if it entered the U.S. through New York, state censorship laws could prosecute or ban the film altogether. Together. Wow. You remember that from my episode on the golden age of porn that Harry Reams almost went to jail for being in deep throat, although they technically had him on intent to move porn across state lines, which was really one of the only ways that you could prosecute pornography at the time. Yeah. The New York Film Festival refused to surrender the film print, but had to cancel screenings as it looked like they might be prosecuted for showing it. They decided to sue the U.S. government, and in a really quick and kind of surprising announcement, the U.S. Attorney's Office were basically like, go ahead and show your gross movie we don't care Mm. which is usually how most u.s censorship issues go it's still banned in many countries and as a result there's many different versions floating around although criterion has the complete uncensored version of course isn't that crazy did you watch this movie yeah i I saw it years ago i've never seen it it's weird yeah i figured it was kind of weird so was this mentioned in your male nudity episode you know i told you not too long ago that my male nudity episode was kind of a bomb I thought it was a fine episode. I'm glad. I, d- I haven't listened to it again because I am I keep remembering that like I just left a bunch of stuff out. It didn't really make sense. I don't think it had an ending. Mm. I didn't know until... Anyway, oh, okay. I, I don't know if I mentioned it or not. I mean, I s- have seen the boner scene since. Okay. I don't think you really see the castration part, but you see a red boner and a knife up to it while he's still alive. So two movies to note for two completely different reasons. The first being The Last Woman from 1976, which is a movie where Gerard Depardieu and his ex-wife fight over custody and feminism. Mm -hmm. At the very end, to prove a point, he cuts off his own dick with an electric carving knife. Completely different is the B-movie The Witch Who Came From the Sea, also from 1976, which is about a woman who, after years of being sexually abused by her fisherman father, starts exacting revenge on the male race, including a castration. Hmm. The Witch Who Came From the Sea is actually one of the non-prosecuted films that was on the original Video Nasties list in the UK. Also available for free on Tubi. This new site, Tubi, comes up I haven't heard of it. I know, me neither. Hmm. For all your castration needs. For every movie that involves castration. <laughs> Go to Tubi, yeah. All right. And remember I said that there were two really, really famous castration movies. This is the second one. Okay. And that is I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, I was waiting for you to get to this yeah. one. Obviously, a rape revenge movie. This is similar to Last House on the Left because the audience is actually cheering the cutter on since it's a retaliation movie. Mm-hmm. In this scene, the raped woman uses a variety of sexual charm tactics to seduce her rapist to get them alone one by one so she can kill them. 
Right. This one, she gets in the tub and begins to give him a hand job. She slips the knife in the water and then cuts his dick off underwater. And we just see kind of like a big bubble of blood come up. And she locks him in the bathroom while he screams. And she goes downstairs to listen to opera until he bleeds to death. Yep. It's a memorable scene. It's a memorable yep. scene. It's disturbing and everything. But yeah, I mean, it's good. Rape revenge. Yep. There's castration in Caligula. Oh, yeah, there is in there. There's castration in Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And there's castration in Street Trash. All yes. three movies that we've talked about so many times. So I'm going to move on from those. Actually, let's talk about Street Trash I was for just do, a second. I, was, I knew you were going <laughs> to. If you weren't going to do that, I was going to do okay, that. Okay, good. So th- that is fucking hilarious. Okay, so let trash. me see if I can explain this scene. because I, I feel like I've only watched it one time. Street Trash is a great movie. So a guy is peeing. And he pees on one side of a wall, kind of like through a hole. Another guy on the other side of the wall, basically a penis comes through the hole and starts peeing. And he has a knife and he just basically lops off (laughs) the dick while the guy's peeing. Right. And so then cut back to the other side. I've seen this a thousand times. I'm describing this exact, like (laughs) shot for shot. Exactly how it went down. You lied. I lied. Yeah. Yeah. So in all of the castration movies, it always takes everyone a minute to realize what's happened. Right. That it's that their penis has now been detached. And so he realizes he comes around on the other side to try to find the penis and they play keep away with it for a long time. And it's slow motion, too. Yeah. You're seeing dick flying through the air in slow motion. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I think. That's remember. correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This isn't just like, oh, that looks like a dick-ish type of thing being thrown around real quick. It is lovingly shot yeah. in super slow motion. Playing keep away with this dick while the guy right. is like trying to get it back. I forget what happens at the end. I don't yeah. I don't think he ever gets it or maybe he bleeds to death or, or something Or he melts like, that, like but, everybody else in the movie. I don't know, yeah. but yeah. Maybe, yeah, who knows. It's so. hilarious and fucked up. It's a memorable scene. Very yeah, memorable. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, me too. I'm going to skip ahead to the 90s because I really want to talk about a whole different type of castration. And this is the opera singers called castrati. Mm -hmm. Castrati is the plural of castrato, which is a type of classical male singing voice equivalent to that of a soprano or contralto, which is a very high pitched male singing voice. Yeah. It's produced by castration of the singer's balls before puberty or sexual maturity. A lot of people assume that it makes the castrato's voice sound like a woman's voice. But actually, as his body would grow, the lack of testosterone meant that his bone joints did not harden in the normal manner. (laughs) Thus, the limbs of the castrati often grew unusually long, as did the bones of their ribs. This, combined with the intensive vocal training, gave them unrivaled lung power and breath capacity because of their child-sized vocal cords. So their voices were very flexible, and they had a very high vocal range, too. The first signs that we have that this was really a thing was in the Byzantine, did I say that right? Byzantine era? But continued to the 16th century as women were not allowed to sing in the church. So instead they cut the balls off of kids to prevent such a terrible blasphemous thing like women singing. I know. Yeah. But the main reason they became such a thing was the rise of Italian opera in the 1600s. And by the late 1600s, if if you didn't have a castrato as a lead in your opera, then it was considered a bomb. Right. And amongst the most famous was a singer for which the Belgian movie Farinelli was based on kind of you remember this one when it came out barely yeah yeah Farinelli was about the rise of the singer and his brother who in the movie helped with his career but also stepped in to finish the sex part of what Farinelli started with his adoring female fans mm. so he would kind of like seduce these women and I don't know do, do stuff I saw it a long time ago but he had like a stand in person and then the brother would, would come a fucker yeah it's not so, a bad job so the director and producers <laughs> took a lot of liberties with this story because historians know a decent amount about Farinelli's life and say that it's bullshit but the movie did win best foreign film at the Golden Globes and got nominated for an Oscar as well it ended up losing to the Russian film Burnt by the Sun Hmm. but one of the most interesting things about Farinelli was how they treated the sound of his voice since there are no castrati alive now and no one alive that could ever really explain it, the filmmakers had to come up with something that would seem unusual, you know, for filmgoers to, to hear. So it wouldn't just, they weren't just going to get a female to sing it, you know. Right. Luckily, there are a couple of recordings of the last castrato, whose name was Alessandro Moreschi, by way of wax cylinder recordings from 1902. He was way past his prime at the time, mid 40s, if you can imagine. Right. So old, but you can definitely hear how different it sounds from a traditional man or woman's opera voice so i was going to play a little bit of it for you it's a little haunting though okay okay (laughs) 
that was something. Yeah. So it's weird and it sounds kind of sad too. Yeah. It doesn't really, you said while we were listening that it sounds kind of like a burly woman, but you didn't know how to explain it. Yeah. It's a weird, it's just a weird thing. Yeah. That's the reason why it doesn't exist anymore that's because that's for the best. probably not something that we should be doing. No, not at all. In Farinelli, they opted to use digital mastering of the music. And at this time, it was very breakthrough to do something like that. But it was kind of an earlier form of auto-tune. <laughs> right, kind right, of. right. So here is what Farinelli sounded like in the movie. Okay. So that was also something. That was one of the ways that they started using technology to be able to help communicate this idea of that the Castrati's voice was like at the time. To so. mimic something that just doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. A movie I've heard a lot about but had never watched until now was Killer Condom from 1996. I forgot about yeah. Killer Condom. I'd never seen it. Uh, so first off, Killer Condom is a very good film. Is it really? It's not great. I don't know. It's pretty great. I would, st- I would come short of saying it's an excellent film, but it's very good. It takes place in New York City where the lead character being a Sicilian cop named Detective Luigi Macaroni, which would have been funnier, but for some reason... Well, so the movie is filmed... It's in completely... It's a German film. Mm-hmm. So it's set in New York, but everyone speaks German. Right. And I read a review of it that was like, this is basically what it would be like if the Germans won the war. <laughs> <laughs> it would be all be in Germany. It'd all be in, in Germany in New York. York like and- Times Square being like speaking in German. Right. But actually, Troma ended up with a distribution rights, so that's probably the reason why anyone in the U.S. has even managed to see the film, considering considering how odd it is. But rough plot, a gay detective. So the main character of this movie is gay. Oh, good for him. And this is in the nine in 96 of mm-hmm. a trauma film, which I thought was really That's odd. Great. Is trying to find out why four penises were cut off in the same hotel in Times Square. He gets involved in a love triangle with a gay guy, Hooker, and a former cop who now identifies as a woman. In the meantime, he finds out that the culprit is a condom that has teeth and can slither around like a snake. He gets mm-hmm. one of his testicles bitten off by the condom and decides he must seek revenge. That's awesome. I have a fun fact about this too, by the way. So when you get to that, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Meanwhile, it's not just one condom. It's a slew of them that are running rampant in New York City, wreaking havoc on unfaithful politicians, sex workers, and an unfortunate woman with a large nose. We finally realize that it's the work of a crazed Christian woman and a kidnapped and brainwashed scientist who are trying to rid the world of gays, adulterers, and prostitutes before the second coming and castrating them all with genetically infused condoms seemed like the best way forward. Hmm. Killer Condom actually got some decent reviews, and while I won't tell you what happens at the end, the gays all get out alive and fall in love and live happily ever after, which is kind of weird for a gay movie. Right. I do have an interesting fact about it, but it sounds like you already know what it is. Well, first of all, I swear this sounds like John Waters wrote this. Mm-hmm. But fun fact I have is that H.R. Giger, the designer for creature effects such as Alien and Species, mm-hmm. designed the killer condom monster. That is correct. And it's very good. It's very good effects, the killer condoms. And they kind of explain that they're not condoms, that they have kind of like a viscous like skin. They're alive. They're mm-hmm. not just like, oh, they're condoms and they bite people's dicks off. Like there's a medical reason why these things exist exist right, right which is cool it's very hr giger they also say that they have a little bit of resemblance to the snake monsters from dune yeah but this is a good movie like this movie exists and it's pretty good i need to watch it yeah where did you find it i watched it on youtube okay for free on youtube yeah done I'm going to watch it. Before we talk about Vegeta Dentata from Teeth, I want to just briefly talk about three films from the mid-2000s, starting with the movie Hard Candy from 2005. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was when this one came out. I don't remember it at all. But really? But it sounds really great. Have You've you seen never this? seen it? Yeah, no. I saw it. I saw it around the time it came out, yeah. So it's pre-Juno Ellen Page. And Patrick Wilson, who we'll talk about again in a second, mm-hmm. was made on a million-dollar budget and made $8 million at the box office. It's about an underage... You want to tell what it's about? Yeah, it's about this underage girl who gets picked up by this guy, middle-aged guy, or younger middle-aged guy, in his 30s, I guess. And he's trying to hook up with her, and she's like, I guess, 14, or acts like she's 14 in the movie. 
and he's trying to seduce her or whatever, but she's also technically playing him and kind of gets revenge on him for somebody else that he kidnapped because apparently he kidnaps, rapes these girls and right. kills them and she turns the tables on him. Right. That's really good. So when he gets to her house, she drugs him mm-hmm. and then when he wakes up, he's tied to a table, you know, and then she's got a bag of ice on his junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She numbs his dick and then basically performs a castration. Now you do find out because he ends up escaping that she didn't actually do it she just was trying to trick him out of confessing to this uh, rape and murder i won't tell you what happens at the end because i did read the ending unfortunately and it's waiting for me at home but i ran out of time so i didn't get to see it so i'll follow up on another episode of the podcast and tell you what i thought of it because i really want to see this so just to set it up a little bit more so there's a back and forth wondering whether he's actually guilty or what she assumes he's done and so she's trying to make him confess but he's like, I didn't do it. I'm an innocent man. And so it's back and forth and you're not quite sure what's going on. Right. There's another person involved. involved and, and so there's a lot of stuff happening there. Yeah. It's a good, it's worth watching. It it's a good movie. really good. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. wait to see it. I watched Sin City in 2005, but honestly, I couldn't follow the plot and got bored after the mm. cool visual style kind of wore off. Yeah, yeah. But there's a violent castration scene where it's apparently pretty gross and it splooges out a bunch of gunk. Mm-hmm. I think it resembled French's mustard, that it was like a yellow pussy gunk that shot out of it. Yeah. I didn't see the scene. And then there's the scene at the end of Little Children starring Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson from 2006. So second Patrick Wilson castration movie Mm -hmm. where the neighborhood pedophile played by Jackie Earl Haley from Bad News Bears castrates himself in order to stop being so Mm pedophilia. He got an Oscar nomination for that role. FYI. Yeah. He was very creepy and good in that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Teeth. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. I really like Teeth. Yeah, me too. That's a great movie. Teeth actually got really good reviews. Um, Deserves it. Yeah. It's one of those movies that you kind of wonder how it actually got made like mm-hmm. this movies have to go through a very long process of of getting greenlit funded right. just for just to add to that spirit loss which is a terrible movie a lot of effort went There's into a lot that. of people behind that movie yeah we were there we saw all the hard work everybody did which let me add another fun fact to that in that the whole story i talked about a few episodes back where jay davidson was supposedly high as fuck on the set of stargate it was from that crew from Spirit Lost when we were hanging out and they were talking mm. about all the stuff that's going on. That's where I heard that story with some of the crew on that movie. Well, actually, it's kind of meta, but you were just talking about the Basketball Diaries in the last episode. The makeup artist for Spirit Lost told me that she had just finished wrapping the Basketball Diaries and she did all Leonardo DiCaprio's track marks on his arm. Oh, that's awesome. So, listen, Spirit Lost is the movie that keeps on giving. Not blowjobs <laughs> by ghosts, but... Right fodder for this uh, podcast yeah indeed indeed it does the rough plot of teeth a young christian woman who has vowed abstinence is assaulted by a man and finds out that she has vagina dentata that's when in this case every time her vagina is threatened by someone that shouldn't be in there the teeth activate so obviously a few different dicks get cut off and Mm -hmm. even a creepy gynecologist who gets extra handsy loses a few fingers here's a fun fact the director, Mitchell Lichtenstein, is the son of Roy Lichtenstein, the famous pop artist. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? No, that's great. Also, the girl in there is a great actress. So She's she great won, yeah, she won Best Actress at, I don't know if it was Cannes, but it was it might, it might have been Sundance. Okay. Um, but the movie got good reviews. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good movie. It really is worth watching. Yeah. I did do a little bit of a, a search just to find out if Vagina Dentata has ever existed if anybody ever found a tooth in there or something <laughs> and it didn't you know there's no. all different types of stories about vagina dentata and in different cultures it takes on different forms and right. some of them it's like a serpent crawls into the woman's vagina and waits for somebody to snap it off and you know so different versions of kind of tricksters but but i never found any real example of you know some teeth living inside of a vagina <laughs> that would be cool after all little... those vaginas you've explored you've never <laughs> seen teeth in them so yeah yeah boy all those vaginas I've explored. It's a sentence uh. I never thought I'd say. Okay, let's talk about Antichrist from 2009. Oh, God. Antichrist yeah. has a scene where Charlotte Gainsbourg bludgeons William Defoe's balls with a brick or a piece of wood. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch any of that scene. I talk about um, that in bodily fluids, yeah. by the way. But she actually kind of castrates herself by mm-hmm. cutting her own clit off with a pair of scissors. Which was explicit in the movie, right? I don't know. I didn't watch that I part. The second that, I saw her pull out the scissors, I covered my eyes. I heard the sound, but I've never seen that scene and I don't care to watch it now. 
now. So right now, the count of self-genital mutilations in this episode is one to one to one. So we've got Gerard Depardieu, a man cuts off his own penis in frustration in The Last Woman. Okay. Charlotte Gainsbourg, a woman, cuts off her own clitoris in frustration in Antichrist. Okay. And Susan Lowe, a woman who just got gender reassignment to be a man, cuts off his slash her own penis in frustration and a dog eats it in Desperate Living. Fair play all around. And if we're tallying dogs that eat penises, that's Mm. one for Desperate Living, one for Teeth, where a dog eats the Prince Alberted dick of Dawn's stepbrother and spits out the ring. You remember that scene? Mm -hmm. And then in Hostel 2, where we follow two men, one of which turns out to be a lot worse than we initially thought, and his dick gets cut off and fed to a pit bull, which is kind of a funny moment in an otherwise not very funny movie. Right. But at least all the dogs get fed. So that's three dog-eating dick scenes. Okay. Speaking of eating dick, Piranha 3D from 2010 waiting for you to get to this one (laughs) also has an amazing scene where jerry o'connell gets pulled out of the water after piranhas have basically eaten the entire lower half of his body including his dick he was a sleazy joe francis girls gone wild type of guy so of course he's not really concerned with his legs only his missing penis we then cut to underwater and his cgi dick is dropping to the lake floor and a piranha swallows it whole and of course if that weren't enough it regurgitates it back up and it's all torn up now yeah 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 it's kind of great So I haven't really talked about circumcision up to this point, although there are some memorable scenes that I want to talk about. And that's starting with Itu Mama Tambien from 2001. Mm -hmm. In the movie, Diego Luna is a teenager from a wealthy establishment family, whereas his best friend, played by Gael Garcia Bernal, is more working class. Mm -hmm. In the movie, Diego Luna is circumcised and Gael Garcia Bernal is not. They have a conversation. It's kind of a classist conversation where they both poke fun at each other for being different Mm -hmm. in front of the woman that they're both trying to seduce who sees the positive with both and ends up sleeping with each of them and then both of them together. Mm-hmm. They both had nude scenes, though, and are both uncircumcised in real life, so Diego Luna basically had to wear a false penis head on his dick to make it look circumcised. Mm. So that happened. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting just because circumcision is a very divisive thing because some cultures do it and some cultures don't. It's right. a religious thing in some cultures and not a religious thing in other things. Right. And I thought that this was an interesting way of kind of presenting that idea. Not as nicely done was the scene from Meet the Fockers, where Ben Stiller's parents, played by Barbara Streisand and Dustin Hoffman, are showing his in-laws an old photo album at the dinner table. It turns out that one of the things that they've kept was his foreskin from his bris. I looked this up. It's also known as a schmuck or a putz. (laughs) And when Ben Stiller tries to take the photo album, the putz flies into the air and falls into the fondue pot. Of course. But of course, there's more serious cultural implications of circumcision, usually in films from African countries where it's performed on adults, usually against their will. Mm. The movie The Wound from 2017 is a fictionalized South African film that tells the trauma of the real-life custom of South Africa's Joja culture, where teenage boys are stripped down and smothered in white paint and told to spread their legs. This is, quote, Their foreskins are then sliced away by tribal surgeons, many of whom use rusted knives rather than sterile medical equipment. All of the same, it's absolutely forbidden for the initiates to scream out in pain. This is a rite of passage, the start of a three-week initiation ritual meant to confer manhood. Boys cry, but men suffer in silence, end quote. So that is yeah. something that still happens and is probably not a great idea. Nope. But again, I don't live there. I don't either. Fuck um, that place. That actually happened to Nelson Mandela when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. The film Desert Flower from 2009 is a true story about a Somalian woman circumcised at three, sold in marriage at 13, fled from Africa a while later to become an American supermodel, and at the age 38 became the UN spokeswoman against female genital mutilation. So that's a true story. Yeah. And that pretty much brings us up to the present, where there have been three relatively new castration scenes that I can think of. The first from Nick Cave's movie Lawless from 2012, where a man's testicles are removed and then sent to someone in a box. Yeah. The Hateful Eight has a scene where Samuel L. Jackson gets shot in the balls from below by someone in the basement. Mm-hmm. And Best Director and Actor winners The Revenant from 2015 has a castration scene as well. 
I don't really remember it. But I don't remember that either. Yeah, it's in there. Hmm. So that's where I'm leaving this. I have no point to make whatsoever. <laughs> Besides, obviously, this is one of those topics that has been dealt with in almost every way imaginable, from rape revenge to comedy to self-mutilation to religious and cultural ceremonies to animals eating dicks and spitting out their piercings. I hope you enjoyed this, but the look on your face is otherwise. So what do you think about my castration? <sighs> that was so, harsh. I mean, it actually I tried to bad. do it quickly. I tried to get through it quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't that bad. It, yeah. It's... If you think on it too much, that's the part that fucks with you. That's the part where you start to feel a little nauseous is when you start yeah. to project it on yourself as a male, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty gross. You missed a movie. Yep. I'm sure I missed a bunch of them. There were yeah. ones that I actively was kind of like, eh, I'm not going to talk about that one just because a lot of it, it was, I didn't want it just to be like, and then this one cut a dick off and then this one cut out yeah. a dick. I wanted to be like, well, these had ones where animals cut them off. I'm, we're just, I'm realizing how ridiculous I sound <laughs> when I'm saying these things. So I mean, it is kind of ridiculous. All right. What did I miss? So you missed the movie, The Doom Generation, Doom Generation. by Greg Araki. Mm-hmm. And you and I watched that together and it's a not a good movie. I kept trying to get you to like Greg Araki like in the 90s and it just was not happening it just not we discussed yeah. it earlier today and nowhere is close to a good movie and that's the only movie i know of his that's enters close to being good he maybe he's got some later and i got nothing against the guy i'm glad he's around and makes movies but i haven't seen anything that i really like of his and doom generation is not good yeah there were a few i don't remember if the doom generation came up in my research there was definitely there were the one that kind of kept coming up was the world according to garp oh yeah yeah, yeah. which there's a scene where apparently some somebody's given somebody a blowjob and then they're driving uh, yeah robin williams runs into the car and then i guess she bites off his dick or something yeah yeah, yeah. but i just couldn't i watched the scene and then i guess maybe they don't talk about it they talk about it later but i was just kind of like i don't i don't know i don't know yeah so it was there were definitely a bunch of things that i kind of cut out (laughs) um to make room for my circumcision talk uh, (laughs) thank thank god for that thought was pertinent but also didn't want to turn into a big cultural highbrow thing because this episode's about castration. And, and that is not highbrow. Yeah. But that's good because now we're back to kind of our norm of being fucking disgusting right. and trashy. Yeah. And so that's I mean, bad computers was surprisingly highbrow where we talked about like AI taking over the world. Yeah. My gender benders was, you know. Surprisingly highbrow like, as well. Yeah. So luckily you got castration and period piece coming next. So, so yeah. Now we're back to, we're back, you know, guys. our focus. We're back. Yeah. All right. Well, good episode. I'm going to go throw up now. Sorry, everyone. I apologize. <laughs> I don't think anyone's left, so it's fine. Yeah. You and I are going to be the only ones that ever hear this episode. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's very fine. We'll see you next week, maybe. <laughs> yep. I guess we'll just cut and run. <laughs> terrible. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com, where you can find the links to some of the movies we talked about today. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter, where we share a lot of additional content. And if you like the show or have any comments or suggestions, please drop us an email at slumsoffilmhistory at gmail.com or write us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. with a ghost (laughs) everyone stared at me